0: Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? Huh? You guys raising that capital? Getting your projects off the ground. I hope everybody had an amazing weekend out there. Um, I know me and my family did. I had a, I, I actually uh, got a couple of days off. I didn't have to work at the church, which um, is typically where I am every weekend. Uh, you can find me at 242 out in Ann Arbor, making it sound good. Uh, but I did not have to go there this weekend, and I was left with... Um, I had to hang out with my family and the children. Yep. So, uh, it's, I'm actually so excited that Monday's here, and I've got a full work uh, day that I've got to get going on here. So, um, but yeah, so got a really cool episode that's coming up here today. Um, last week, I got to talk to Jonah Bliss from um, Evelo uh, Electric Bikes, um, and they're actually running an equity crowdfunding campaign right now on WeFunder. So, let me go ahead and check out. Let me pull up their numbers here a little bit as uh, as I'm uh, rambling. But um, so, so they're currently doing a round, um, and they're. Looking to raise between a hundred k to a million dollars, and right now they are they are at one hundred fifty eight thousand with seventy seven investors. So I'm going to put a link up in the page to go check them out. But a really interesting conversation about um, the electric bike world and um, and Jonah Bliss and and his partners on how they've um, you know how they've really viewed transportation in the future and how they believe electric bikes are going to be a major part of that. Um, Another part of the interesting conversation was about getting them into Europe and Canada and expanding their brand. So, uh, again, we haven't talked about equity crowdfunding in a little bit, but um, uh, but that is what we are chatting about in this conversation. So, so yeah, we had a great weekend. Um, I do want to send a shout out to um, a friend of mine named Jordan Scott for uh, having his new new baby. Congratulations on that. Um that, that is an exciting time I know when I'll be sitting next to you uh, I can share more war stories and scare you a little bit about what it's like to have some kids out there. So so Jordan uh, congratulations again uh on your new baby and that is amazing stuff out there. So all right, back to the weekend. So not. Only a couple interesting things have happened. You know, not, You know, my mom lost her job. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. That was kind of expected considering my mom is, um, you know, basically becoming a full-time tar- caretaker of my dad. So that happens. So we've got that l- little bit of stress. I think all in all, it's actually a good thing. My, my. Um, uh, I don't think my mom's working the most amazing job in the world. So uh, she can probably go find something else, I'm assuming, at some point. So... But yeah, so that, that happened over the weekend. Well, I guess late last week. Um, so, you know, a bit of stress, but we got to go down there and hang out yesterday. Um, uh, just, you know, just kind of having a little family dinner and whatnot yesterday. And, uh, but yeah, so, you know, but yeah, that was, that was all, that was all day yesterday. And, uh, Got to drive home last night in my very, you know, in the first snowstorm of the year, or, or I guess I should say, of end of this year. However, you want to describe it. I'm sure I drove in a snowstorm last year sometime, but man, kind of a tricky drive last night. I had to put the four wheel drive on. Had to have the two hands ten and two. Had to focus, right? Had to be locked down, focus. You know, with the whole family in the car going up twenty three and M fourteen, which I know if some of you for out there that don't, uh, don't live in Michigan and don't know those those freeways, you know. they were, they were pretty jam-packed full of cars last night, uh, So and, and nice and busy, but, but yeah, so you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? You just had to, I had to hunker down. I just had to focus. I had to put my focus driving on, you know what I mean? No music. I needed the kids to be super quiet. I had a nice couple scenarios where I had to turn on, and be like, you guys got to shut up right now. You guys got to be quiet, you know? Come on, dad's focusing. That is driving you know and it was one of those like snowstorms where it was it felt like i was driving through um you know like uh what is it like in star wars when the stars are just flying by like you're at like what's hyperspeed i've never watched star wars fully so i don't officially know so you guys can send emails and tell me about how ridiculous i am uh not a huge star wars fan you know we've got them we've got all the episodes the my son loves it he's got the backpacks i just i'm just i just never got with me you know um but yeah, so it was like that sort of driving, you know, where it wasn't really slippery. But, you know, you just got the start. You know, it just feels like you're just, you know, hyper speeding, you know, as you're going. But yeah, I had to pull out the dad card a couple times last night in terms of flipping around and going, you guys got to be quiet right now. You know, it's always nice when um, when you have that moment of reflection, when you're like, I sound just like my dad. What on earth is going on here? You know. But uh, but all for all the new parents out there, like Jordan, there you go. There's another story for you. Um, you know, if, if you're out there listening, you uh, yeah, you, you just start flipping into and sounding like your dad, and you don't know why, and you you're like, I can't believe I just sounded like that. So, but yeah, that happened. And then, um, so the other thing, and this is a good thing. Uh, uh you know, I will I will say I will. My grandma is um super intense on making sure that I am sleeping on a new bed. She just cannot fathom the fact that I might be sleeping on uh, a mattress that's just not firm enough or, or, or whatever it is. So, so my grandma yesterday just literally forced a check on me. And I understand that, it, you know, I, listen... I, I'm a I'm I'm a I'm an adult with children, and having my grandma throw money at me to go get a mattress. It, we, she doesn't need to do it. We were planning on getting a mattress. This is her feeling like, I, you know, no, I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna do this, for, and that's fine. That's all fine, you know. I'm I'm come, you know. It's just I don't want I, you know. I'm sitting with a check, and I don't want to cash this thing. Come on. Come on, I I know it's my Christmas present, and or for you know, it's the Christmas present basically for me and my wife and my wife's birthday. So, you know, it's it's not that egregious. I understand, but I'm also like, man, I just I'm not into this. I can get my own mattress. What do you guys do in that scenario out there? Do you guys you know if the grandma's just being like, no, I'm gonna do this for you, and and literally will not take no for an answer? I have been dodging this scenario literally. I I don't, you know, four weeks now, five weeks, you know, a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, I've been dodging this. So, so I will let you know the check is here and I have made a promise to my grandma that I'm going to get a new mattress, Uh considering I, I will let you know that the one I think I'm sleeping on is roughly around 20 to 25 years old. Uh But I'm a dude. I don't have any ideas, uh, whatever. I don't even, you know, sleep. I don't even know what sleep is. So, but um but I will let you know. I've made a promise that before Christmas I will go get the mattress and I guess I will describe it to my grandma at some point and and hope you know she will be relieved that I am getting beautiful amazing sleep even though um yeah. I was thinking the other day this came up actually in a conversation about um I probably actually haven't been sleeping through the night in probably let's see. How how long have I been out of school now? 98 Minimum 99. Since 1999, I have not, because in 1999, I've, I got Miss Madeline Francis um, Wenzel the III. Um, she was my little Yorkie of 15 years, and she passed away a couple years ago. Uh, but Miss Madeline did not sleep through the night from basically the time I got her until the time she passed away. So I would wake up two, three times in the night to let her go outside and pee. So, um, you know, I, I, I have, and then, and then, after Madeline, it comes children. So there really hasn't been a time. So I've actually been trained, you know, to, to not sleep through the night. But maybe this mattress will 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 save the day. You know what I mean? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe my whole problem has been mattresses, not little dogs and children. I don't know. We'll see, right? We'll see. All right. I think that's enough of me rambling about my weekend and, and the fiasco of I've got to get a mattress this week. So uh, I'll probably be talking about that later. I know. this is just This is, this is just cutting edge tech podcast conversation right now right my sleep habits here at, in the wenzel camp so okay i think like i said enough of my ranting got a couple things for everybody to do so make sure if you're interested to go sign up for our crowdfunding and social media community we have a ton of great conversations going on there ton of valuable stuff i go through tools i have tutorials i have tips i have techniques i've got everything in there right how do you get there, you're asking? You go to the website, woodshed.agency, and you just sign up for, um, you know, you sign up for to join our community. It does cost a little bit of money. I got to keep the lights on, folks. You know, come on, I got to keep them on, right? Not a ton of cash. So uh, it's a lifetime um, uh, lifetime access if you pay the fee. Jump on in, have conversations. You get to chat with me, get basically live chat, but with myself, Sean, and Paul. You can ask us anything you want, pick our brains. And, uh, and if, even if it's not about crowdfunding, digital marketing techniques can be in there. You know, we talk about those. I talk about tools I use for, you know, Instagram and social media and Twitter and automation, you know, cold email strategies, I, all, all that stuff's in there. A lot of great stuff. So join, join that, right? Next thing I need you guys to do, make sure you're telling your friends and family about this amazing podcast. Tell people that you know that you want, if they want to know what my sleep habits are like, this is the opportunity for them to know, right? this is it right here and then after that maybe make sure you're you're getting our rss feeds sign up for the newsletter um you got i got news stuff comes out twice a week a lot of great info there as well so those are the three things that i need everybody to do if you're out there if not that's okay you don't have to do all the things i asked it's it's all right you can still just listen to this great podcast episode and you can listen to jonah who's coming up here in a second Um, But, you know, if you do the other things, it helps as well. All right, that's enough. Let's go ahead and kick to my conversation with Jonah Bliss uh, from Evelo Electric Bikes um, and their equity crowdfunding campaign that is currently up on WeFunder. And if you're thinking about maybe investing in bikes, this is a great opportunity. Um, you're going to hear a ton about the electric bike world. And again, w- really imagining what your investment is going to look like, uh, a couple years from now, when I think we're going to get more and more and, uh, into different transportation sc- scenarios, I think you're going to see more and more cities start to adapt these sort of policies and, uh, and, uh, techniques. So yeah, this might be a smart investment for you if you're out there looking to put some money, uh, behind a company. So, all right, let's go ahead and kick into my conversation with Jonah. All right. I've done my favorite part of the whole podcast procedure. I've hit the record button. That's my favorite thing, seeing the red light go. So, Jonah, why don't you um, tell my listeners a little bit about your uh, WeFunder campaign and what your project's about?
1: Yeah. um, So, thanks for having us on. Um, So, we are uh, eVelo, and we make uh, electric bicycles. Got uh, four different models, and then our pretty cool thing we call the OmniWheel, which uh, converts... Any um, existing bike into an e-bike, basically just like an all-in-one wheel that you slap onto your existing bike, and it's got all the components, batteries et cetera, in it. So that's cool. Yeah, we've been in business um, around four years now, um, and yeah, have pretty interesting and, and active, uh, yeah, sort of community of, of yeah people have bought the purchase, uh, bought the bikes. Our ambassadors getting this sort of you know, sort of help sell our bikes or show their bikes to their local communities. Um, and so we've sort of opened up our current fundraising to uh, yeah, both our own community and the public at large to sort of build off that goodwill we have and let them sort of share in our success.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, you've, so the company's been around for a little while. What was kind of like the uh, flagship product that kind of got the whole thing started?
1: Yeah, so, so the, the story is actually kind of interesting. There's, um, yes, yeah, so, so I've been there for, for a long time, but sort of the, the two, uh you know, above me, the two guys that founded it are brothers, um, uh, Boris and Yevgeny, um, and so Yev, uh, Yevgeny, uh, loved to ride bikes with his wife, um, but she, you know, he's, he's an aggressive rider, and sometimes she found she's a little tired trying to keep up with him. Um, And rather than, you know, slowing down... (laughs) Which would have been the more considerate thing, he decided to build her an electric bike. Um, And so he just kind of, like, you know, did that with his own kind of mechanical savvy, built her uh, a hand-built e-bike. And as they were running it around... Uh, Yeah, they'd get stopped by people in the neighborhood, being like, "What's that? Like, that's awesome. How can I get one of those?" Mm -hmm. Um, And that happened so many times that they sort of suspected, "Hey, maybe we're onto something here." And so, yeah, both he and his brother sort of had an entrepreneurial background, and so they decided to to found the company. Um, And then, since then, there's there's been sort of consistently. Yeah, I I think we launched with three bike models and we're up to four now. Um, This this one, the um, Aurora is probably our best seller. So for the first few years, it was pretty, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we'd upgrade the models, but it was the same three or four and then, uh, more recently, we added that Omni wheel I mentioned before. So, it's sort of, you know, we like to think we have a kind of broad uh, family of offerings for, you know, whether you're looking for something a little more powerful off road oriented, something that's a commuter for just like cruising down the streets to run errands or to work, um, something a little comfier so you can just swing your leg over. You know, we got something mm-hmm. for everyone.
0: That's cool. So, uh, you know, where is the bike industry really in america right now is that kind of where your your main customers are or are you seeing more european and, and and how is the electric bike community in general i guess
1: yeah it's a great question um so it's funny um this is one of the trends where america's a little bit behind the ball i would say you know uh, there's a few of them i've actually
0: <laughs> found out during this podcast because half my client or half my conversations are people all over the world and i'm like Oh, uh, yeah, we don't have that yet. Exactly. We're, we're going to get there. We're, but, we're yeah, so we're,
1: we're helping fix that. So, yeah, we we um, are only... For the longest time, we've been only U.S.-based. Um, we recently uh, expanded into offering them in Canada. Um, part of the thing we actually would love to do with the money we're trying to raise is uh, you know, be able to speed up our international expansion. But so, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, our, our focus has been the U.S. and then just now added Canada. So um, the U.S., is a few years behind Europe, which I would then say is a few years behind uh, Asia in terms of electric bike adoption. Like if you go to China, it's just a, a sea of electric bikes, you know, running right, every right. which way. And so, you know, Europe, you see a little bit more of them, just the same way they kind of just have more biking in general. Um, and the U.S. has been a little bit slow to adopt this, just, uh, you know, we sort of, we love cars here. We don't
0: I love our cars. I'm in Detroit.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even
0: fathom not having a car here.
1: <laughs> and cars are great. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to replace you know, every car on the road, but we think, you know, sometimes there's an errand where it'd actually easier to use a bike. And, you know, mm-hmm. not everyone is confident enough in their biking ability or strong enough that they want to, you know, bike there and not worry about being able to get back. So having a little uh, integrated motor. Helps make it you know, a little easier on the mind, a little easier on the legs. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, the, the US market's grown pretty quickly now as people sort of start to realize these things. And um, you know, we're pretty happy to be leading that trend.
0: That's awesome. So, you mentioned a little bit about the Asia market. So, one of my f- kind of first things that I've seen here, or one of the first questions that kind of popped in my head was competition and that I've seen just a ton of these sort of products, either on Indiegogo or Kickstarters. Very rarely do they fund, I actually find, on those platforms. I think reward-based yeah. bike campaigns are challenging to do. Um, but I was just kind of wondering, like, like, how do you guys handle competition? Maybe what, what, what have you found that's standing out from, from what you guys are doing or from other, what other people are doing? But how do you guys uh, handle that sort of aspect of it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great um, question. And it's something uh, <laughs> yeah, our, our sales team has to deal with all the time because they'll get mm-hmm. people that come in um and you know we pride ourselves on answering any question anyone has um and so people be like hey i saw this you know like uh, e-bike at walmart for four hundred dollars or i saw this right, like right. kickstarter where it says this can be able to take me to the moon and back and it's only, <laughs> yeah. you know two hundred dollars um and yeah you know, that's, that's great because yeah, there definitely are uh cheaper bikes out there you know whether or not all the Kickstarters come to fruition, you know, I sort of have a similar feelings to you do, but there are you know, ones that are actually out there where someone you know, took a crappy bike frame that they you know, just sort of found on um, Alibaba, slapped yeah. some motors on it, slapped the battery on it, and said, here you go. Yeah. Um, and that's great if you want to buy something and then you know, be left with some you know, metal and some weird lithium batteries and uh, you know, nothing to do when it breaks. Right. So we sort of pride ourselves on our customer-centric um, model. So, you know, everything's got very comprehensive warranties on it. Um, we let people do a free 10 day trial where we you know, ship them the bike, they try it out. If they don't like it for any reason, they ship it back to us. You know, no cost, no hidden restocking fees. Um, so it's very much, you know, when, when you get one of our bikes, you're getting an entire package. You know, we're not just trying to sell you something and wash your hands with it. We want them to be happy with it and to become advocates. And to you know, basically help help build this movement with us.
0: That's interesting. Have you have you ever found in the? And I've, I I only say this because uh, one of my buddies is a big bike guy, and he yeah. just is like the anti electric bike. Like he's just <laughs> you know, you, know, you got to pedal, and he's you know, he's into the mountain biking. I, I don't even know what the extremes are, but he's just like that guy.
1: There definitely is. I, I, <laughs> a that's out there, right?
0: Right? <laughs> that's out there. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't think it was. The first but it to is. Say that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'd say, you know, it's, it's the bike snob is an is a image that a lot of people have, and it's sort of unfortunate how true it seems to be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, that's part of the reason why we've sort of done this innovative direct-to-consumer approach we have. Um, I mean, A, not only does it let us offer higher quality bikes at a better price, but it sort of lets us avoid the, the bike shop model, which is honestly not great if you're trying to sell something that doesn't fit the bike shop guy's view of what right. a bike should be. right? Um, and so, you know, even if you could get it in their stores, they weren't going to be able to answer any questions about it. They're not going to offer support for it um, because then if you're not, you know, clad in spandex and Lycra and, and you know, doing 30 miles a day, <laughs> right. you can just, you know, die. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I think, you know, I really wish that the traditional biking sort of uh, industry and advocates saw that electric bikes you know, we're not trying to, to take anything from them, we're just trying to grow the market. Um, and I think someone that's introduced, you know, maybe, maybe they rode when they were younger and just sort of they had kids, they, you know, their life changed, they got a little out of shape. You know, it's scary to get back on like a, a tiny little road bike, but if we give them something a little bit, you know, beefier, a little bit, you know, able to help them if they encounter a hill, you know, maybe they don't wanna get sweaty on the way to work. You know, we can get them back on a bike, and then maybe down the road, hey, they they do want to get a uh, you know sleek carbon fiber you know super duper bike because uh, they love it that much. So we're kind of we're helping grow the pie, and I wish uh, more people sort of saw that instead of just being holier than thou. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you know, the other thing that kind of is popping my brain here when I'm looking at this like electric bike trend, which I think could be amazing. I, I live in like a downtown suburb of Detroit, so I, I would you know, we're, we're trying to get bikes for our whole family here soon. I got a five and a three year old stuff like that. So, so, you know, but I wonder like where, you know, with this all this talk of climate change and all this stuff that's just out there in the world right now and some new leadership stuff without getting political, but like, how do you guys envision maybe bikes, where, where are we with like the bike community in 10, 15 years from now? and, and, you know, all this stuff that's kind of coming our way here with climate issues.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's um, a smart sort of insight. Um, and I would say, you know, Boris and, and I, um, and, you know, a couple of members of the team actually sort of come from uh, interesting sort of alternative transit backgrounds. You know, have worked for a couple other startups that weren't necessarily bike oriented, but have sort of been trying to rethink mobility in the U S. Right. Um, and so to us, an e-bike is uh, just another part of that arsenal, you know, basically about giving people more options so they're not forced into a one-size-fit all, you know, you have to have a car here, there, and everywhere. Right. Um, so, again, you know, nothing against the car. You know, cars are wonderful, but sometimes it's honestly easier to, you know, not deal with traffic and just zip somewhere on a bike, you know, mm-hmm. chain it up to the front of the store, walk in, grab your eggs, and bike home. Um, or, you know, maybe trying to make use of, you know, sort of like the, the local trails around you, and it's a way to sort of extend the range you can access them. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's really expensive for cities to, to lay down new train lines and you know, bus rapid transit lines, especially if they don't have the density there, but you know putting down a bike lane, if you're already resurfacing the street, that can be as cheap as a bucket of paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of a way to help activate this urban realm and to encourage you know, people to be a little bit healthier that's uh, something we can all do on an individual basis instead of you know having to spend a billion dollars.
0: Right now, have you guys ever have you guys found that um, I don't know have cities ever reached out to you as like in, an, in any sort of initiatives or anything like that? Like, hey, we're going to try to have you know electric bi- ten electric bikes sitting around town that people can rent, borrow, or anything like that. Anything like that ever pop up?
1: Yeah, it's it's um, it is like a sort of like almost a, a side thing. Like, it's never been our. Um, emphasis but yeah you know, we, we do sort of have communication with cities where they're sort of interested in, in setting up little bike share programs or you know or more often maybe it's like a, a fleet for you know one business or something where right, it's located right. somewhere conducive to that. So um, yeah to us those are those are interesting. That's not really yeah, at this point, we'd rather focus just on the consumer um, yeah. and growing that pie. But, you know, if, if anyone wants to buy a bike, we'll sell it to them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. So, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: The company's been around, what, would you say, six years? Is that right? Um, founded and in 2011, like basically launched okay. 2012.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so about four, four or five years here. So, what's been the biggest pivot that you guys had to go through in that time where, I don't know, just you just couldn't? Could it produce what you wanted to, or you had to change something? Is there been any moment like that?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, you know, fortunately, no, no humongous disasters. But yeah, you know, like any startup, there's a lot of learning. Um, I would say the biggest thing we sort of realized early on is, um, yeah, you know, like like I said, we're, we're direct to consumer, um, so it's all online sales, and that lets us offer them a little bit cheaper and offer them, yeah, you know, the way we think they should be, versus kind of having to tailor that to a uh, retailer's expectations. But at the end of the day, you know, people are a little wary of plunking down, you know, a couple grand on something they haven't actually, you know, touched and test driven sure, and right. smelled and kicked the tires, um, and so initially that was a little bit hard to uh, overcome. And and you know, like I said, we sort of have this really generous, you know, kind of trial and return period, and that's one way we've uh, managed to alleviate that fear. But the other thing that sort of came to us. Um, was this idea of an ambassador network. And so, you know, once we'd sort of sold enough bikes initially, the, the idea sort of became workable where it's like, okay, you know, Jane Smith in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, has her Avello and she loves it and she, you know, is naturally, you know, not just doing this because she thinks it's a side job, but like she's, she's into e-biking, she's into her e-bike. Um, she already tells her friends and neighbors about it. They already ask her about it. So what if whenever we get an inquiry for someone in Arizona or in the Phoenix metro area, you know, they're curious about the bike but just want to know a little bit more, would love to do a test drive, we set them up with, you know, Jane Smith sure. um, you know, they, they find a time that works for both of them, they meet up, Jane brings her bike, you know, the potential customer gets to go on a test ride, try it out, yada yada yada, you know, ideally they fall in love um, and uh, you know, that basically solves that, that distribution problem because now they've gotten to try it Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of strengthens the community for us, which which is super important. And, um, you yeah, know, then, then another sale is made.
0: Yeah, that's a really smart idea. That's, that's, that's it's almost, I, I wish I
1: could take credit for that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. well, It's almost like crowdsourcing your distribution to some degree, right? Like, you yeah. know, everybody gets involved a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So kind of the follow-up to that is, what, what's been kind of like that pinnacle awesome moment over that last, you know, over the time period, you know, where, where just this was awesome, things came together, or maybe, you know, got a product out or whatever it is. What's the big moment?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's just been like the, the continued growth has um, been such a pleasant surprise. You know, f- for the first you know, year or so, it was sort of you know, a, a fight for every sale. You know, people sure. were very, you know, sort of not even aware that like electric bikes were a thing. Just like, oh, I didn't know you could put a battery on a bike. Um, <laughs> so we had to sort of inform them about the category, let alone our own brand, why you should pick us. And so now that, you know, we, we've seen a lot more entrance into it, you yeah, know, you might think that that's kind of, like, competition, and it is, but it's really done a great job of informing people that, hey, this is a a, a product category, and then, oh, yeah, like, those, those Avello guys, they look like they're the ones that have the top-of-the-line model um, and offer the best support. So it's sort of, you yeah. know, when we don't have to educate them that the product exists, just that ours is the best one, that's a little bit easier. And so I think sure. that's why I've basically seen, basically every year since we've found it, we've managed to, practically double our sales compared to the previous year Um, and for you know a company to still like ship a physical product um, that's that's pretty cool I think
0: yeah you know it's funny you just brought that up I was I was kind of going there talk about shipping Um, you know how do you get a bike from where you are to Detroit effectively for cost and you know all that headache
1: yeah it it, uh, you know (laughs) it took some thinking about um, you know how how to make this yeah you know, timely and, and not cost an arm and a leg um most of them or i should say all of them are shipped from um our sort of headquarters in Kent washington so the the team's actually distributed um, most of us work remotely i'm I'm in new york um uh, but our mm-hmm. our official h q is in uh washington state um so you have good sort of port access and then pretty central uh access to the rest of the country from there. Uh, the other sort of interesting thing is that since it's an electric bike, it's got you know, batteries on it. That means you can't put the batteries on an airplane, so it has to all go by ground transit.
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, I need to think about that.
1: Yeah. So, so you know, if someone lives uh, in the West Coast, they're going to get it a little bit quicker than someone uh, in Florida, let's say.
0: Right, um, right.
1: But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, the the bike comes like ninety percent assembled. It's basically just sort of like, you know, putting the tire back on. Uh, you know, just kind of like tightening little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, want to make it as easy as possible for the uh, person that's getting their new toy in the mail, so they can just you know open it up, spend thirty minutes, and then start riding.
0: That's cool. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about what's your background. How did you get involved with this company? And, you know, how, how are you out here talking about bikes so much?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. So I've, I've sort of, um, uh, you yeah, know, I've, I've known uh, the, one of the founders, Boris. And so we worked together at a, another alternative transportation startup um, called Relay Rides, actually. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. called Turo now. Um, and they were basically, or they, they are the uh, Airbnb for cars, so oh, it was one of those like hey I don't use my car that much I can rent it out to people in the neighborhood and make uh, you know, 50 bucks each day or maybe you you know travel to some town instead of going to Hertz or Avis you want to rent a local's car or maybe it's even in your own neighborhood but hey I need a pickup truck for some uh, you know, kind of heavy duty work this weekend right. let me just uh, borrow one down the street so it was kind of an interesting way to connect um, uh, You know, underused resources since the average car just sits there 90% of the day. uh, Put a little money back into the community's pocket and, uh, you know, all things considered be a little bit greener. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was sort of something we'd worked on before and that kind of piqued interest in this idea that, yeah, maybe there are other ideas out there for getting people moving sustainably. Um, And, Yeah. yeah, that sort of, I think, helped build this company and helped kind of inform this sort of pro, you know, all about the, the customer, all about the citizen kind of uh, mentality.
0: Right. Well, h- how did you get so into, I guess, moving people around?
1: it's um, <laughs> a good question. Um, Why do you like it so much? Where'd you oh grow God, up? Yeah, uh, <laughs> just a nerd, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Did you study uh, it in college or anything like that? Or? No, so, so, um, yeah, I'd say it's, it's more sort of entrepreneurial. Like I said, like the, the founding team, they were just sort of serial startup guys. Uh, that's kind of my background as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more about sort of seeing that there's a problem and you know, I think it's pretty clear there's a lot of problems with the status quo today, um, yeah. whether it's traffic or environmental or just sort of uh, social equity. So thinking of ways that we can fix that that aren't uh, solely reliant on Governmental action, since that's know, uh, yeah, clearly uh, <laughs> lurches from one way to the other. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it was just about you know trying to to you know do good but still uh, make business. Right, right. Cool. Where'd you grow up? Uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Los Angeles, which is uh, okay. Definitely the Not land of uh, land of traffic issues, but also the land of sort of reinvention of uh, trying to come up with new solutions to old problems. Right, right.
0: right. Well, you know that actually kind of kind of clears, I think, some stuff up there. Of just, I saw that wasn't there like a great photo going around Facebook not too long ago of like the traffic issues uh, in LA. Oh, four or
1: five, it's like, yeah.
0: yeah. And I, my wife lived out there too. She, she's she's attested. She's given me some info on that. So maybe that's where it all comes from. You are just tired of sitting in traffic, uh, you know? With an electric bike, you could just go right by everybody.
1: Exactly, exactly. You could uh, cut down the middle lane of the freeway. Exactly. <laughs> not not so, recommended.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah. So, uh, so let's flip a little bit on how did you you know, come to a decision to do equity crowdfunding, and then after that, how did you guys end up on WeFunder?
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, like you said, um, kind of the, the rewards-based uh, crowdfunding, you know, the, the Kickstarters of the world. Um, <laughs> it's a good way to disappoint a lot of people, <laughs> I've found out, um, and that's not really what we're trying to do. We weren't trying hmm. to you know launch our fifth bike by making everyone pre-buy it and then mm-hmm. hoping that we can ship it eventually that's that's just right. not really our company ethos um, but with uh, you know this sort of equity based model um, you know it, it lets us kind of build off this existing community that we have and we've noticed that a lot of our investors have been you know existing customers or our ambassadors or people that already sort of you know like us as a company want us to do well Um, and hey, here's an opportunity to share in that success so um, you know, basically opening the pie up to them um, it it seemed kind of like a a win-win, you know, smart for us smart for them Um, and then we've raised money that wasn't just from um, equity crowdfunding you know, we have some some interesting money from um, Barbara Corcoran's uh, sort of investment fund she's one of the the Shark Tank uh, people so, you know, we, we sort of Anyone that kind of gets it, you know, we'd love to have them on board. Um, so whether it's someone that's just got a thousand bucks and, and, you know, wants to help us shake up uh, mobility or it's, you know, a big name person, we're, uh, you know, down to work with them.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So in terms of the WeFunder, uh, did they approach you or did you approach them or what, what was the kind of the strategy on how to start executing equity crowdfunding?
1: Yeah, it's, it's something we had looked into a little bit um, you know, it's it's um 'cause the uh, the you know, the Title Three of the Jobs Act, I think that sort of allowed yep. uh, equity crowdfunding. That's yeah, super recent, I'm sure anyone listening to this yeah. podcast, you know, knows. Um so it was kind of something we've been following closely. Um and yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple names in the game now trying to do it, all trying to be I guess the Kickstarter of equity, right? Yeah. Um and and yeah, just sort of we funder you know, we kind of liked some of the other companies' portfolio, you know, we, we sort of chatted with the guys, they seemed smart, and they really kind of, you know, got it, they got the business, you know, seems like they were sort of not just purely in it to, you know, make their commission, um, and so it kind of all fit with our own brand ethos, and mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, let's, let's try it, why not?
0: That's cool. Was there any sort of hesitation? Because uh, sometimes in some of my call, I, I you know I, I do obviously crowdfunding consulting is my business, yeah. right? And and I get people who are just like I just can't give up equity. I just uh, you know, and they're like holding on to something that doesn't even exist for especially like a small startup, you know. And it's like, yeah. it's like, did you guys have any reservations about anything or? any fears right. well, you
1: imagine you know if i keep 100 of it <laughs> yeah. right if it right a billion dollars one day i'll be rich yeah. um, right right be worth zero dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's uh people are funny like that especially when yeah. it's something they've uh you know kind of built with their own sweat and tears um, right. i think it, it helped that we had kind of already uh you know opened the company up to some outside investment um you know so this wasn't like the first time we were Diluting equity or anything. Um, sure. So, so I feel like once once you've uh, you know kind of breached that initial barrier, it's kind of like all right, let's you know what does it take to grow the company? Um, you know, getting getting a little more money in the bank can help us grow faster. So to us, that's mm-hmm. you know, it's a way to achieve you know higher revenue and sales quicker. So it's not about like oh no, we own slightly less of it. It's more like yeah, the company will be bigger and more successful, and we we'll be able to achieve our goals why wouldn't we do this?
0: Right, right. So what is the actual money for, specifically, that, that you're trying to raise right now for this round?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's a couple you know, goals that we'd like to, to use it for. Um, I'd say you know, our, our two big ones are speeding up our international expansion. Um, so like I said, we sort of dipped our toes into Canada recently. Uh, yeah, we'd love to make that sort of a, a more full-fledged um, endeavor and mm-hmm. then based on the success of that move into you know europe and other sort of similar markets um i think you know as you sort of noted the 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 markets you know growing quickly but so are the number of brands entering it so the quicker we can establish ourselves as a name in multiple markets you know the less that means we have to fight off incumbents down the road so that's really important gotcha. Um, and then the other big thing.
0: Well, is... Well, it seems to me like the European market would be just yeah. huge. I mean, they you you don't have to sell bikes in general, right? Or the theory of it is yeah, much. exactly.
1: There's a little more um, understanding, and they sort of get it. So that's but that one they also have you know, some some uh, existing incumbent players, and so you know uh, we can't just sort of you know throw on a euro sign to the website and say yeah let's do it. We got to right. you know we got to think about, you know, do we need to modify the product at all for, for the, uh, you know, there might be different regulations, there might be different expectations. You know, we'd have to figure out you know, what's the best location to ship from there. You know, we obviously can't be shipping them from uh, Washington State. That would be a very slow delivery. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, you know, there's, there's uh, steps that need to be done if we want to do it and do it right. Um, and so then the, the other sort of big thing we're thinking about is... Um, you know, we've had um, some of these models for about four years now, and and yeah, we we sort of update them. Yeah, same way in Detroit, you you know, the the model year twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's going to be the same. You know, heart and soul of twenty sixteen, but maybe sort of right. Yeah, the the grill is different, or you've improved the engine a little bit, yep. so it's a little bit you know more fuel efficient. But you know, at, at the end of the day, that's it's not a drastic overhaul. So we've got a couple of new bikes in the pipeline where it's you know we've basically built these from the ground up, brand new. Um, model, and um, we think, yeah, really it's going to take the brand to the next level. Yes, yeah, really distinguish us from the competition. Um, and it's sort of, we're building it as a platform, so you know, we might be able to then iterate and, uh, based on what we sort of see as the reaction to the first model, kind of like tweak it and come out with you know, model two, model three, model yeah. four. And uh, again, the better capitalized we are, the more quickly we can roll those out and just uh, meet the kind of demand that we see there being for it
0: it's cool how long um do you have this sort of funding open for time-wise
1: time-wise um we're actually you know thinking of uh closing round maybe uh, end of the month um you know it's, it's one of those things where hey if, if uh you know demand kind of keeps coming in strong we'd of course be uh, amenable to extending that you know don't want to Excluding yeah. anyone that wants to, uh, you know, maybe wait for, uh, figure out how much money they spent on Christmas gifts before uh, <laughs> <Right>. bringing their <laughs> checkbook back up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the response has been pretty strong right now. We're, we're right at about 150k raised. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, we're flexible, but we'd love to start putting the capital to work.
0: Yeah. Now, did you guys execute any sort of um, marketing plan with this, uh, you know, or social media plan or anything like that?
1: Yeah, we've, we've been um, pretty you know, coy about it, I would say. You know, it's, I think at the end of the day, we'd rather sell another bike than we would uh, you know, have someone decide to instead invest in the company if they, you know, if, if they only have you know, the money for one or the other. Mm-hmm. So it's been a lot of internal marketing, you know, sort of talking to our existing customers, talking to our ambassadors, uh, you know, talking to people that are sort of familiar to the brand through other channels. So, yeah, there hasn't been a big push to sort of bring in total outsiders and their right. money, but instead, yeah, sort of keeping it in the family, so to speak. Um, so, you know, if, if you bought a bike and, you know, you love it, I think that makes it that much easier for us to convince you that, hey, you yeah, you love it. That means there's millions of people out there that would also love it. And, uh, yeah, if we can grow this company together, we can convert those people into customers.
0: Gotcha. That's cool. Uh, and walk me through a little bit with, without getting into a ton of details. But how do you guys come up with your valuation uh, before you go on WeFunder or any sort of equity crowdfunding?
1: Yeah, um, that's uh, you know, it's more than just shaking up the, the crystal ball. Um, I think you know we're fortunate in that you know unlike some of the other. Um, Companies out there, we you know, we've been around for a few years. We have real revenue. You know mm-hmm. the company makes money, so it's not just uh, oh yeah you know, I predict in five years we're gonna have a billion dollars of sales. So right. you know, of course this is what our post-money valuation should be. Um, so you know we we're doing it at a seven and a half million pre-money valuation, um, and so you know given that we're not uh, raising that much money, it won't really affect the the post-money valuation. But mm. you know, it's based on. Um, you know, we, we've done about six million in revenue since inception, um, and, you know, again, just about doubling sales every year so you can kind of figure out where we are um, sales-wise. So it's, you yeah, know, we, we think it's a pretty conservative uh, multiple of our revenue, to be honest. Um, and so, you know, we, we could have gone for the pie in the sky. Okay, we think in five years we'll be selling, you know, this crazy number of bikes. And, and you know, we very well, wipe that. Very well might be, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, we want people to feel like they're sort of getting an honest deal, and so uh, rather, you know, go for an evaluation that makes sense to anyone and there's no going kind to of be like, oh, are you really worth that, or, you know, sure. if, if something changes, they are not going to feel disappointed. So, um, you know, just, just kind of, uh, you know, use those numbers and work out a pretty standard uh, evaluation.
0: Interesting. Now... Now, have, do you guys ever envision maybe possibly going into retail or anything like that? Or, you know, we're going to be at Target now at some point. Or, you know, <laughs> or is that just a whole other can of worms that
1: you just yeah, – um, different business model. It, it is a different business model. Um, you know, to us, it's, it's it's mostly two issues. You know, A, you know, Target's going to want 50% of, uh, of the – Price basically, so we'd have to either skimp on components or jack the price up a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of not the, yeah, there's definitely a bike brand out there that that makes sense for, but that's not really where we're trying to position ourselves. Um, And then the other part is sort of as we spoke about before, like, you know, the bike snobs that don't really understand electric bikes and don't want to sell them, or alternatively, you know, at at Target, you know, maybe they're well intentioned, but I don't think they're going to be able to train, you know, they're 100,000 sales clerks on the ins and outs of Model A versus Model B versus Model sure. C. Yep. Um, and so, you know, we don't want someone <laughs> being missold a, a bike or, or just even worse, having them kind of languishing on the rack, collecting dust because no one's kind of, you know, pushing them. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the downside we see to um, traditional distribution models, and I think that's honestly part of the reason that e-bikes have been a little slow for adoption in the U.S. is, you know, some of the earlier players kind of tried to use this existing infrastructure um, and it just wasn't conducive to, uh, yeah, moving a, a new kind of product like this. That,
0: that, that's interesting you mentioned about the the training. I, I find that that's probably the biggest concern and I've had it on a couple of my conversations with not just equity crowdfunding but crowdfunding in general where people mm. are just like, I just, you know, we're an urban outfitters and I don't want, they're not selling our tents correctly because they're, not trained right, and it's much better to just go on the website, talk to me, or, you know, or, you know, talk to an ambassador who really knows.
1: Yeah. Especially when you're, you know, a young company, young product that, you know, isn't in the first, you know, 90 days going to make, you know, any kind of volume that, you know, a corporation like that's going to at all impact their, their sales. It's just sort of, you know, if you're the regional manager, why is it worth it for you to take time out of your day to, like, make this a priority?
0: Right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> they won't do it. That's,
1: that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Sometimes harsh. you gotta learn that the hard way, or sometimes you just gotta think it through. <laughs> exactly. So, you know,
0: so what do you think the next six months looks like? Um, you know, after this capital comes in, um, you know, what, what's kind of first steps out of the gate?
1: Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I think, uh, the, the Canada, uh, expansion, we can really, you know, hit the gas on that. I think it'll be timed mm-hmm. pretty well because, you know let's say things sort of wrap up you know december january you know, by the time you know everything's cleared up paperwork yada, yada yada you know we might get the cash uh february or march um and that means yeah we're we're going to be looking at spring coming in uh april you know maybe in canada that's may <laughs> yep. but um you know that's that's really prime bike season is uh you know kind of spring and summer and early fall uh you know people like to bike where it's uh warm out uh, it's a rainy day here in new york and i would certainly not want to be on my bike right now but uh unless you live in you know kind of like uh the southwest or, or florida it's yeah your, your biking season's a little limited unless you're really hardcore so yeah. for us to be able to basically hit the gas on our first uh you yeah, know sort of full-on expansion in in um spring i think that's gonna be tremendous for us
0: and what do you guys just in kind of envision your company going in the next like five years or so i mean just continuing to to revolutionize bikes or do you guys envision other products at some point down the road
1: yeah um yeah if we can keep doubling the sales every year you know that's you know the beautiful power of exponents means we'd be pretty huge down the okay. five years from now um so so yeah like i said you know we, we got a couple other products in the works you know right now they're all um you know electric bikes still but um you know, like, we've had this sort of success with the Omni wheel that I mentioned before, the, the kind of all-in-one wheel that converts an existing bike. Um, so that's kind of cool. And that's kind of opened us up to the idea that, um, you know, it's it's not just about this this pure, you know, kind of regular bike, but, you know, what are kind of related things to it. So, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, some people sort of ride folding bikes. So is there a potential for us to have an electric folding bike? Or, you know, just, just kind of, you know, within the realm of bikes. But right. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of options out there, especially if you're willing to kind of think outside the kind of standard bike frame. Um, and, you yeah, know, so I'm not promising anything because we got to do our research. Sure, still, of course. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say... I'm not yeah. gonna, I won't hold you anything. <laughs> all, right, no, all right. No, no, no. You <laughs> thank, said you're going to do this one goodness. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'd say, you yeah, know, definitely... Within the realm of you know mobility and electricity, I think it's our wheelhouse. Uh, no pun intended. So um, you know, there's a lot of potential there. So we I don't think we need to go uh, move into uh, you know, electric toasters quite yet.
0: <laughs> right, right. So you know, so you're in the middle of of your first round of equity crowdfunding. Do you envision going back to the well down the road for other projects?
1: Um, that's, that's an interesting question, um, and I don't think we'd quite about that. I mean, you know, legally you're limited to a million dollars a year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I I definitely wouldn't say no. Uh, (laughs) um, I think, you know, we definitely want to see, you know, what are the lessons learned from from this round? Um, You know, is it a, you know, moderate success or a great success? Is it, um, you know, how much, of the hassles end up being, you know, kind of closing and all that sort of things. And then alternatively, you know, if this really, um, kicks us to the level that we think it might, um, you know, maybe our cash flow is just so amazing that it's kind of, uh, all right, we can just fully grow the speed we want to grow by reinvesting and actually taking on more money would just sort of be a waste. So, uh, you know, if I had the magic eight ball, I would have a better answer for you. But, um, so the answer is not no, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) there you
0: go that's cool well Jonah I, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to talk to me about your company and or talk about the company and stuff and, and equity crowdfunding I know my listeners are going to dig it and uh, yeah. it was really a really great conversation I appreciate it man thanks so much yeah thank you
1: and uh, you had some great questions it was, it was uh, wonderful chatting with you
0: awesome great thanks so much thank you With Jonah, huh? A lot of interesting stuff there. I mean, equity crowdfunding, man. It—I I can't stress enough how excited I am about it because I think it—it just opens up so many doors that reward-based crowdfunding uh, campaigns can't do for you, and going to a bank can't do for you, or putting something on a credit card. Tons and tons of power in it, and I—I I encourage pretty much weekly four or five companies to really strongly stand back and look at it. And I'll tell you, the number one fear, and we kind of talked about it a little bit in this episode, is—is—is. Is, is you know, I don't want to give up any of my equity. I hear that so many from clients. It's like, dude, Jonah said it correctly. It's like, what, what is, what is whatever, what, what do we say? Like five, you know, what's 5% of, of, of nothing, you know? If you, you know, if you don't have the billion dollars you, you, or the company, you, you have nothing. So you've got to let go to, to, to approach equity correctly and to really get the benefits of it. So really cool stuff. So uh, the song we're listening to... Um, kind of a two-parter it's called when the when the walls came down slash the forgotten um back when hurricane katrina hit it really impacted myself and and my uh, songwriting partner jake and we sat down and wrote um this this kind of double header track just kind of talking about what it must have been like to be in that scenario and i know that's kind of dating myself here a little bit but um or dating you know where the song came from but it was a really really impactful moment at the time um and we just did what we used to do back in the day, if we had an emotion, we went and wrote about it. Interesting thing too is when you get to the piano song at the end The Forgotten, that's a hundred and thirty some year old grand piano baby grand piano that I had in my farmhouse. That was a little bit out of tune. I, I just I could not keep it in tune and it had like one string that was kind of broken. I just didn't have the budget to fix it, so definitely some cool ambiance I think that we, that we recorded, um, but yeah, one of my one of my favorite songs that we've done, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. So, all right, guys, I will see talk to you all on Thursday. Hope you guys have a good week, and uh, yeah, if you got any crowdfunding questions, shoot me an email, and I'll see if they can't give you the answer. All right, have a good one. Talk to you later.
1: this stranger gives me hope to carry on I close my eyes and listen closely to all the lives that she's won
0: leave the world you know behind to say well that's exactly what I've done